0: Welcome back to A Magical Life. I'm your host, Magic Barclay. Today, Heather Shannon's joining us. Heather is a sex coach who helps sex and gender diverse clients transform how they feel about their sexuality and achieve deeper intimacy in their relationships. Her approach focuses on what is authentic for the client rather than any one-size-fits-all method. Heather is a licensed clinical professional counselor, certified sex therapist, internal family systems therapist, meditation guide, and holistic health coach. Welcome, Heather. Thank you, Magic. I'm happy to be here with
1: you and your awesome audience.
0: Thank you. Now, wow, that is quite a little bio there. We'll get into (laughs) that in just a moment, but... I ask all of my guests three questions, and everyone gives me such diverse answers that, you know, it's quite amazing. And I'm kind of intrigued how you're going to answer these. So, okay, let's find out. (laughs) Here we go. What can your expertise do to accelerate health, not just physical health, but also emotional and spiritual health?
1: Yeah. I love that question. And the way that I work with people about their sexuality is very much about being in alignment with who they really are. So I don't really have an agenda for people, you know, with how I think their sex life should be. It's much more about helping them discover that. And I do that through a variety of different ways. You know, one of the things you mentioned in my bio is internal family systems, And that's a method that involves some talking, but it's not your traditional talk therapy. It's much more about tuning inward and feeling that, you know, like inner energy um, and different parts and aspects of ourselves that can be trying to serve us. You know, there's a good intention there, but sometimes maybe getting in the way of us truly feeling in alignment. So there's a lot of tuning inward. There's a lot of scanning the body and, you know, checking in with our emotional state and honoring
0: that and getting curious about that. Cool. Now we talk about wealth here and we think often that wealth is just financial, but it can also be personal and emotional wealth. And I'm going to throw another one in here just for you. And that is our (laughs) sexual wealth. So when we discover our sexuality and our intimacy, our love languages, like all of this, what we need, what we desire, that Mm -hmm. can create wealth. So what are your top three tips to creating wealth?
1: Yeah, I love that. And thank you for customizing the question to me. I do think that our relationships are such a huge element of wealth. Certainly finances and money is great. And I'm all about, you know, abundance in that area but I'll focus more on relationships since that's more my area of expertise anyways. I would say creating your wealth in terms of relationships, it's a lot about what you're putting out there. I think it can be really easy to kind of be like, you know, well, my friends aren't showing up for me or this or that's not going right. But when we really focus on like being the friend we want to be or being the partner we want to be or being the family member that, you know, we want to be and showing up as our best selves, then I think the rest of it kind of takes care of itself on a lot of levels. So I think just being willing to do that inner work. And I guess in order to do this inner work, so this will be my second tip, we have to kind of make sure we're filling up our own love tank, so to speak. So I noticed that, you know, I do my best work, I have my most to give in relationships when my love tank is full. So it. It can be showing myself love by, you know, going on a walk, just getting outside, getting some sunlight, you know, it doesn't have to be fancy stuff. By taking some time to feel my feelings, that one is just like so essential. And I think it's something that we're still really missing in our culture. And Even though I dedicate my life basically to helping people, you know, feel their feelings and improve their intimacy and relationships. I you know I still forget sometimes, you know? Yesterday I was like invalidating my own emotions. So I think honoring, being willing to feel, validating our own emotions, taking that time and not just kind of go go go, do 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 like I have all these things on my checklist, you know, that I got to get done, but like allowing that spaciousness can really help with our love tank being full and I think allowing the emotions is a really important form of self-care. And then I would say the third piece in terms of, you know, wealth, in terms of our relationships is investing in personal development. You know, it's like, we're not taught this stuff in school. We really have to seek out information and resources. So... That could look like going to a relationship workshop. That could look like reading some articles about relationships. Obviously, people are listening to this podcast are already kind of on board with the personal growth in the relationship and sexuality area. So I think it's just seeking out information, kind of staying humble in that regard. Even though this is my career, like I will never be done learning in this area. And that's part of what keeps it kind of interesting. So I think it's an amazing growth path in terms of personal development and helping us to become our best self. And I think it's just going to really allow us to show up as that best self in relationships and to attract the highest quality relationships that we can.
0: Wow. Cool answer. Loving it. (laughs) Thanks. Now, we took that weight loss here as well. Many people find that they're on the weight loss or weight gain journey And something that I've learned through my own journey is that it can be a loss of relationship with self. So Mm. have you ever battled your weight? If so, what was the trigger to winning the battle? And second part of the question, what can you offer the listeners around that reconnection to their body and Mm. that everything is okay? Wow, these are great questions.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I've had quite the journey with weight and body. And I will not profess to have all the answers in this area. But I think I have a few. (laughs) In high school, I struggled with binge eating disorder. So that's when I kind of first found therapy for myself. It was great in the sense that I was able to actually look at relationships and look at some codependency and patterns within my family that like I would not have been aware of otherwise. And to see that there's actually that connection oftentimes between our relationships and how we feel in our body and how we relate to food. But it was painful, certainly very painful to go through. And, you know, throughout the years, I've lost weight and I've gained weight and I've been different sizes I think what that's done for me in a unique way is actually helps my body image. (laughs) That might not be most people's experience, but I think what it's allowed me to do is become aware of like when I am battling and just choose not to battle. So there might be a day where I'm like, oh, really been overdoing it with sugar lately, you know? And instead of being like, ah, oh, like I'm fat and ugly and terrible to kind of be like, OK, <laughs> it just becomes more neutral. It's like, OK, so that's just the thing that's happening. And I don't need to pathologize that or feel terrible about that. The other thing I've done just from some different like medical issues I've had, I think has given me an appreciation for my body in some different ways. But I had ACL surgery, I want to say it was in 2015, But when I was recovering from that, I was seeing a hypnotherapist and we wound up like singing a song to my knee. (laughs) And it was like every little cell in my body is happy. Every little cell in my body is well. And it was so cute. And it was just kind of like a beautiful thing to be like, oh, I'm just like sending love to like parts of my body. And also realizing, you know, I'm somebody who's more muscular, I've always had really thick muscular thighs, you know, that's not what you see in all the magazines growing up. And so I kind of had more of a battle with that part of my body, which I've since shifted now, I'm like, oh, yes, I like my strong legs. And having this uh, medical experience helped me realize that because it helped me realize like, oh, well, now all my muscles are going weak, because I can't really put weight on my leg. <laughs> I was like, oh, I really miss them. Like the left leg looks so healthy and muscular and the right leg is like atrophied. And so it kind of helped me realize like, oh, wow, like I've spent my whole life like not appreciating my strong legs. And what if I just stopped doing that battle? What if I'm just like, oh, they're great. Let's just roll with it. So now I've applied that to other areas of my body. You know, I think stomach is a common one for a lot of us. Now I have like nice chats with my stomach. <laughs> I mean, it, it does. It brings like a lightheartedness to it. and it helps me feel like it's like me and my body are on the same side. Like we're, we're a team. So those those are some things that I've done. I certainly don't, again, think, you know, I'm not a weight loss expert, not trying to be, but I do feel like I have a, a better than average body image and I'm very grateful for that. And I think some of my struggles
0: along the way have really helped. Terrific. Now, look, let's talk about what you do. So we've covered our standard questions yeah now let's blow the lid off this puppy here, and <laughs> what do you do? How do you help people? And why is it important?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So, yeah, you know, typically when people come to me, they're people who are ready into personal growth and personal development on some level, and I help people to explore their sexuality figure out, you know, who am I as a sexual being? What are my turn on? How do I communicate that? And then embracing sexuality is the second part and then expressing it is the third part. So really helping people get to a place of authenticity in terms of who they are as a sexual being. There's, you know, so much we've been taught as a culture about, you know, what's, what's bad about sex and how men should be with sex and how women should be with sex and how we shouldn't be with sex, you know, and there's kind of all these like unspoken rules or unofficial rules. So to kind of help unlearn a lot of that and get back to more of like just this innate, what draws us in and what's exciting and what helps us feel connected and what turns us on and to just discover that, own it and be able to express it freely and safely.
0: What does that free expression look like for most people and how do they achieve that?
1: Yeah, that's a great question too. I mean, it's, it's different for everybody and that's part of what I love about my job and why I love that it's not like a one size fits all. So for some people, it's going to look, you know, like having sex every couple of weeks with their partner. For other people, it's going to be like twice a day, right? So <laughs> all sorts of different frequencies. For some people, it's going to look more like, sensuality and like really leaning into, you know, lighting and, you know, different textures and temperatures and, you know, fragrances and really going into that direction. For other people, it might be more leaning into energy and, you know, exploring Tantra um, and playing with that and synchronizing breath and things along those lines, For other people, it might look more kinky, you know, it's going to be like, hey, let's explore power dynamics and taboos and, you know, ways to connect in that realm that are going to keep things exciting for us. So um, and for some people, it's going to look monogamous and for others, it's going to look polyamorous. So it it really is fascinating in that regard. Like everyone's going to wind up in a pretty different place. And that's part of what I love about it that it's about finding your spot and what feels right and true to you without judgment, which is, you know, kind of a taller order because certainly when I was growing up, it's like, ooh, don't have sex. You're going to get pregnant. You're going to get diseases. This is bad and against what the church teaches you. So really there's like a reclaiming process involved there.
0: So someone that might be battling with their sexuality, someone that might be just having... A struggle connecting with self.
1: Mm -hmm. What are the
0: steps to take to really find your level?
1: Yeah. So when I think about that, I think about just kind of our own sexual energy. And, you know, it dovetails a lot with mental health because I think of depression as sort of a dimming of our life force energy. And libido tends to also go down with depression. So that kind of makes sense sex is also literally how we are all alive. So I do think of sexual energy as life force energy. And so when we're trying to connect to like who we are as a sexual being, you can also just think about what makes you feel vibrant? What makes you feel more alive? What makes you feel more connected? What makes you feel more you, you know? So it could be dancing, it could be playing sports, it could be music, it could be cooking or art or creative expression. But there's so many ways um, for people to tap into that that are not overtly sexual. So that's one place for people to kind of start. And then, of course, you can go in more of an overtly sexual direction too. Like, what what turns me on? And I, and I think when I talk to people about that, we also tend to go directly to overtly sexual things. But it could also just be flirting. You know, it could be like telling your partner, Oh, you're looking good in those jeans. <laughs> it could be planning a date and looking forward to it It could be sending a sexy picture to your partner during the day. So a lot of things even without touching, it could just be complimenting your partner. And so I think that area is kind of underexplored and underrated just sort of the suggestive comments and the flirting and the anticipation. And I also think that's something that most of us tend to have when we're dating somebody. But then when we get into a longer term relationship or marriage, that stuff, it's pretty easy to lose it, especially when you're living with somebody. And so it's something we have to be intentional about, you know? And I think some people are naturally pretty good at that. And other people are kind of like, oh, I didn't realize I had to kind of like actively nurture that. So, you know, sometimes it's just reminding people. And then, then there's also exploring like, okay, what are we actually doing when we're having sex and how are we defining sex and, you know, how do we kind of nurture that in the context of a relationship too? So there's,
0: there's a few different levels in my mind. We've spoken before on the podcast here with the listeners about the five languages of love. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've stated that mine are physical touch and acts of service Now, for me, physical touch could just be a hand on my shoulder. Yeah. Or, you know, it could be a stroke down my back. Or, yeah. I think I'm turning into a cat, actually. I love being stroked. But anyway, (laughs) (laughs) as a mum of two cats. (laughs) Uh, So many people think, you know, the physical touch side has to be quite overt and deliberate, but it can just be even holding a hand or, oh, yeah. You know, just anything really. So for the people out there that maybe they think, I don't know my love language, I don't know if I want to be touched, I don't know mm-hmm. if I want quality time or acts of service, mm-hmm. how do you suggest people find kind of their true love languages? Because you can do the quiz and different things come up every time that you do mm-hmm. it. So mm-hmm. how do you really find what your your base is?
1: Yeah. I guess I'll tell you how I found mine a little bit. Sometimes it's just trial and error, right? And mine, mine top one is also physical touch. So totally get that. What I realized is, you know, when I was dating people, sometimes people were affectionate, sometimes people weren't. And when people weren't, and I could tell now I am just like very finely tuned to it, it felt like I was shriveling inside. (laughs) It was like, this is like, you know, hydration or something for me on a love level where it's like, without it, I'm shriveling. Um, Whereas some of the other love languages, like, if someone's not buying me a lot of gifts, it's kind of like, okay. It's like, it would be nice if they did, but it's really not the end of the world. Um, So I think it's noticing how do you feel and what are the emotions that come up. And I think a lot of times not getting your love language needs met can lead us to feeling kind of anxious or insecure in a relationship so realizing also that that's not personal, and I know a lot of people are with partners that they're not totally matched up on their love languages. Um, so it is something that can be learned and it is something where you can meet on the middle. And it's also something where you can kind of validate yourself, you know, and learn to take in the love that people are giving you, even if it's in a different language.
0: And that leads me on to my next question for you, which is, how can when you're looking for a partner or when you have a partner, no matter what sexuality you are, you know, what you're looking for, how can you really be honest? You know, I think when we're dating, we often think I won't tell that person what I'm thinking or feeling because they might not like me anymore. But how do you really be entrenched in a, a deep honesty with, whoever you're dating or seeking and with yourself, this is what I need and it's okay if you're offended because that's not my problem.
1: Yeah, and I just want to validate for people that it is really hard sometimes, you know? And if it's something that you struggle with, that, you know, that's really normal. Sometimes we do need to talk to a coach or therapist about it first. Sometimes we need a friend who's going to be like, come on, you just got to do it. You can, you know, tell them how you're really feeling. And I'll just reinforce that, You know, dating is such a special time in that way because we haven't committed to the person for a lifetime yet. We haven't made that decision. And so it's like this real opportunity to be honest and to go in with your eyes wide open. And I think that this is something that I'm seeing is improving generation by generation. Like when I have talked to my my parents are divorced from each other, but when I've talked to my parents about, you know, hey, like how did you guys decide to get married? (laughs) like, I don't know, like we had fun and our families liked each other. And I was kind of like, okay, like, did you talk about finances? Did you talk about gender roles? Did you talk about, I mean, no, we just kind of like hoped it worked out. <laughs> so I think that that was an example, you know, and they, I think they got engaged after like six months, but you know, where it's like, you got to take your time. You got to take your time and get to know someone and have the tough conversations. An example that I'd heard from a previous employee years ago was like, It's like you're climbing up a mountain or like a sheer rock face and you've got this rope that's kind of like holding you and helping you stay safe in case you fall off the side. But sometimes you kind of got to like tug on the rope to make sure it's secure. And it's like if you don't have the conversations, you're not really tugging on the rope and you're just kind of like, well, I've never tested this rope and I just sure hope it's there to save me if I fall off. So it is really important to have the conversations about what are your emotional needs? What do you need from your partner? And also, I think one thing I want to really clarify to you is like, our partner is not going to meet all our needs, right? Like no one person can meet all our needs. And we don't want to outsource our happiness to someone else because then we're really actually putting ourselves in victim mode where it's like my happiness is now dependent on someone else and what mood they're in that day and how they show up, right? And that's that's not really a great recipe for success. So realizing that, you know, whoever your partner is, however they're showing up, you're still responsible for your own happiness and you're your own primary support. And they can be a secondary support and they can be like an amazing secondary support, but kind of the idea that we don't need to be codependent. And I think the way love is portrayed in, you know, movies and TV and the media in general is like pretty codependent you know, like this person's going to save you and this person's your other half and this person's going to like make you happy. But like the truth is like, you're going to make you happy. You're going to do that work and build security within yourself and then be able to just have a really great time with your partner. And, and if you have two people that can do that, then you're actually going to have more to give and you're going to be able to really show up for each other on a deep level because it's not being driven by insecurity and, and looking for outside validation.
0: I think that's a great distinction that you have to be okay in yourself because no one else is going to complete you. You do. Yes, absolutely. Wow. Is there anything we haven't discussed so far that you feel the listeners might need to hear today?
1: Hmm. Yeah. I would like to share that whatever you're like sexually, you know, whether you are, kinky or gay or pansexual or transgender or in an open relationship, whatever you identify with, just know that like you are exactly how you're supposed to be and you are normal and, you know, that is healthy. I think there's so much fear because of the messages we've gotten. And so many of us come from communities or families that are not that open-minded or not that accepting that we can all carry a lot of shame about how we are and who we are. And that that just prevents us from experiencing our authenticity, our joy from being the best you that you can be basically. And I think from finding a partnership, you know, to your point, Magic, about finding a partnership that is really in alignment for who you truly are and not just who you think you should be.
0: Great. Now, before I let you go, we love freebies here. We always <laughs> offer the listeners freebies. And, yeah. Uh, what can you offer the listeners and where can they find that?
1: Yeah, I love freebies too. Yeah. So they can find that at my website. My website is heathershannon.co. So it's not a .com, just .co. And I have a freebies page. So I have a Mojo Magic free guidebook to help people who are struggling with libido to understand, you know, maybe why did your libido drop off? How can you get it back? That's a particular issue where it can be complex. You know, there can be a lot of pieces to the puzzle. So that book can get you started in the right direction with that. And then I also have a sex for empaths checklist. So for people who identify as, you know, being very sensitive to other people's energies and very empathic. This is just sort of a guide to, like, help you stay grounded when you're making decisions about, you know, having sex with somebody and really reinforces the points that we just talked about, Magic, about, like, showing up for yourself and not outsourcing that and having healthy boundaries around sex. So, um, yes, they can check out those on the freebies page and, you know, start moving in the right direction with their sex life.
0: Fantastic. I've really loved this chat and I really hope the listeners got as much out of it as I did. Some parting words, apart from discovering your sexuality, your libido and your alignment, how do you connect with your true self?
1: Yeah. So one of the methods that I am trained in is called internal family systems. And we talk a lot about leading from self-energy. And so your true self-energy, and this is the case for all of us, is calm, confident, creative, wise, playful, intuitive. So just like all these wonderful qualities and all the other stuff, you know, anxiety and anger and insecurity, those are considered to be our parts and not who we truly are at the core, at the deepest level. So starting to understand that, we can work with our parts. We can befriend our parts. We can ask the parts to step aside at times so that we can really allow that self-energy to be our internal leader, to help us feel super secure in ourselves and to guide the parts in taking action instead of the, the parts taking over. So I hope that makes sense. But it's an amazing method and I do a lot of parts work uh, with myself do a lot of parts work with clients that's, you know, had an amazing impact. And to me, that method just really feels like truth.
0: Great. Now, listeners, you can find Heather at www.heathershannon.co. So that's dot nco I really do urge you to jump onto those freebies. They're absolutely fantastic very generous. Heather, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Magic. Thank you for your time too. And thank you to your audience. And listeners, thank you so much for your time. As always, please share our podcast, leave us a review, ask us a question on our Facebook page at A Magical Life Podcast. And we will bring you what you want to learn, what you want to hear and how you want to grow. For now, go forth and create your magical life. Thanks for listening today. Please subscribe to hear future episodes, leave a review and share this podcast. You can follow us on Facebook at A Magical Life Podcast or at Holistic Natural Health Australia. That's holistic with a W. You can find us on Instagram at Holistic Natural Health or at www.holisticnaturalhealth.com.au That's where you'll access all sorts of articles, freebies and more.